coming up on this week's show. I speak with the editor of Mobile Movie Making Magazine about their outstanding online filmmaking publication. I'll be chatting to probably the most prolific mobile journalist in Europe, Vice Flinke. All that and more on this week's Mobile Creator Podcast. Welcome to the season finale of the Mobile Creator Podcast, episode 15. It's been an epic journey so far this season, but we're not done yet. Today, I get a chance to sit with Murray Seward, the editor of the online filmmaking magazine, Mobile Movie Making. This publication has been an excellent source of all things mobile, and I was very excited to chat with Murray about how he started the magazine. Murray Seward, welcome to the Mobile Creator Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Courtney. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an absolute pre- pleasure. Um, I have, you know, seen your publication so many times and read so many articles in, in that, you know, kind of, you know, over the years. But um, before we get into all of that, I kind of want you to give a little bit of your backstory um, about yourself and uh, how you started the, uh, the, the the publication that you run. Yeah, okay. Let's see if I can sum it up. Um, well, I was a teacher one time, and I uh, one of my students at a boarding school wanted to make movies, but he didn't have any stories. So I wrote uh, a story for him, and we were filming on Super 8 millimeter. And I got hooked, and I took all the money I earned that year, and I um, uh, bought a, a Bolex camera and made some films. And this was quite a while ago, and I made, I made some shorts. Uh, and liked it, but eventually I went into writing, and I worked in magazines, and uh, sort of in middle age, I uh, decided to uh, work on screenwriting. I went to film school at UCLA, wrote some scripts, and I had uh, one script feature produced, Summer of the Flying Saucer, and uh, I guess the thing I love to do most is to write screenplays. I've had a few options. It's a... It's a uh, a business that can break your heart, of course. Um, so, so there was that. And then um, at, at some point when people were going online and all of that, and we had a magazine um, background, my wife and I, um, we decided to do an online magazine. And I saw people, uh, we first, uh, uh, first worked on uh, trailers shot with any kind of equipment. But then we had a contest in which we asked people to film a trailer using a phone or a pad or anything like that, any mobile device. And the results were so spectacular that we eventually decided to uh, devote ourselves entirely to mobile movie making. And uh, so that's the that's the background. And so you see I'm more on the words than in the filmmaking, but I did uh, make a, a, for a friend, and as part of the story, I, I shot a, uh, a little bio documentary of his 99 year old mother and uh, wasn't the greatest uh, documentary in the world, but I could seize the possibilities, the, the possibilities of it. Um, and, and really what we do now is also we have this online magazine, mobilemoviemaking.com, and what makes it great is that we showcase wonderful films from around the world. And um, we try to sort of deconstruct them a little bit. Usually we have an interview with the filmmaker, and that's where I learn a lot. I mean, you can learn a lot by just studying films, as you know. You just watch films. That's the great teacher. But to hear somebody who makes films talk about 
what they do, their mistakes, how they correct it. Um, you know, one story, some people had everything, all, all the pre-production done, and then the location, the people flaked, wouldn't let them use it. And they had an hour to find another location. They had the crew shooting on a film, on a phone. And that kind of thing, instead of quitting, they pushed ahead and they found even a better location in almost no time. Um, so that's what we do. And, and uh, the part I like, I love the films that we put up, which are often wonderful. Um, but I also love what the people say about them and, and they talk about their stories, you know, how they think up stories. And one last example, I got, we have a lot of examples because we post a, a, a movie of the week every week. So that's, uh, you know, about 50 films a year. But there was an Indian filmmaker, I don't remember his name, but he had done uh, three feature films. He's quite accomplished. But he did a little love story, 10 minute love story with just himself and the actress. Um, because he wanted to get out of the studio and he wanted to have that personal experience just working with her, just two people, I think it was, um, you know, uh, making a film and it's a beautiful film. He still does studio work, but he represented something that, you know, he wanted just to go back to that really basic filmmaking thing, you know, a story, an actor, a camera. He did the camera work. So that's the, that's what we do. And, and, uh, then on Instagram, we uh, every day put up something that's usually a tip. Uh, and the tips are based on back uh, again on the films, you, you know, and so I'll take a frame from a film that we're showing or showcasing and comment on it. You know, for example, most of the filmmakers we use, they know the trick of shooting frame within a frame. So somebody is framed in a doorway or a car window or a mirror and it makes it look very sophisticated. It doesn't require any real big equipment. And yet it begins to have that look, the, you know, the Hollywood look or the professional look. So um, I don't know the tips. I'm learning from the people who do it, you know, and then I try it for myself. Um, and, that's, and, that's, and that's what we do. So we're really, you know, publishing uh, materials and, and ideas. So that's, that's what mobile movie making is about. That, that is, that is, you 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 nailed you know the interview's over now it, that's great you nailed everything <laughs> one, of the things, one of the things is you know we know about hollywood and the focus on hollywood and i lived in los angeles for two years and i think you you were down there and i i i love it but one of the great things about uh, mobile movie making is the universality we've we have had i think 20 countries south africa israel uh russia you know, places we're not supposed to mention, um, you know, Canada and, and UK. And we get to know these filmmakers, uh, you know, sometimes um, uh, it, it's just amazing to me, the universality of it and the community that's online. I know people sometimes worry about the internet, but to me, it has created an amazing uh, community of filmmakers who teach each other. And, uh, and so while I still love Hollywood, now like the world has become the world has become Hollywood. And, and, and so uh, when you said you wanted to interview me, I hadn't really thought about it because, you know, just we put up something every week. But I think because of your question, I really feel it is honoring the filmmakers and learning from them, not from film school. And I went to UCLA and I liked it, but from the people who are out in the field and the camera overheats you know, or somebody doesn't show up. Uh, or an airplane comes over and I have, it's been better than film school for me yeah. to interact with 
people um, and to hear their stories. Uh, one of them was entering a 48-hour contest, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it takes me such a long time to think of a story, but they did it in 48 hours, and they had a deadline. They had to drop off a physical thing at the contest place. They couldn't email it. And they were down in Providence, Rhode Island or something, and they're driving in the car, and he's editing the film on his phone yes. as they're going through traffic. Yes. Um, that, yeah. And so, you, you know, those stories uh, take away the idea that I can't do it, you know, you know, because these people are doing it and they share their secrets. They're so open yeah. with yeah. how they do it. Well, um, that's one of the beautiful things about mobile, and, and I have it right behind here, my, my saying is you don't need permission to create your vision, you know? So, um, it, you know, not waiting for Hollywood, not waiting for, you know, the Alexa camera to show up at your door, not waiting for, you know, any of these things, just going out, grabbing your camera, going out and shooting. Um, that's one of the, the beautiful things about about using mobile is that you can learn and you can you can shoot and you can fail and you can get back up and do it again and you can just you know iterate and continue to to do it and and it's opened up uh things for for everybody around the world like like you said you know so um so your publication has uh has so many uh, great bits of information such a great resource you know for for people um and highlighting people and i you know thank you for for doing that you know because you are helping build that community you know we we have a great community here that we're that we're building with this particular podcast and you know with our sponsors but uh but you know even people like you you know get it out there to the masses you know which is which is an amazing thing well i didn't really think about it but you know the filmmakers often thank us. We, we thank them because they're the content, you know, but they're very uh, grateful for, you know, for doing it. And it was just by, really sort of by luck, because when I worked on a regular magazine paper, it's called, well, in the old days, and I did interviews with people. So I, I sort of learned how to do interviews. Uh, I actually interviewed Stan Lee one time uh, about comic books. And so, you know, I'm interested in what people have to say. Um, but again, you know, we just we fill the space every week. But I now realize that that what's really special about what we're doing is that we're finding these people and we're asking them questions. A lot of times they haven't been interviewed before, and and we do we do not this kind of interview. We do um, email interviews. So, um, but they love to share. And I'll tell you because I'm planning to make some films. I have learned so much from the people that we interview. So, uh, it, you know, it works. It, I actually can go out and do some things now because of somebody in Ireland or somebody here or somebody there, you know, um, did it and explained it. So yeah. um, that's great. You know, um, you know, I say it pretty much every uh, every episode, but, you know, we know that the technology is not getting worse from here in terms of mobile uh, uh you know, devices and, you know, the cameras are great. I mean, you know, you have phones that can shoot up to 8K now, you know, and, and all of this, you know, you can edit on your iPad, you know, using LumaFusion, which is what I prefer to use. Um, and, you know, Filmic Pro, you said that you started using Filmic Pro and, and uh, that's... Because of the filmmakers, we're, we're, we're touting it. Everybody said you have to do it, you know. And um, 
And uh, the reality is, I mean, it's not an argument. You look at the films and you look what they do. And I asked them why they do it. And, and then, as I think I told you, maybe we weren't recording at that point, but, you know, I had the, the orange sky from the fires, you know, and I knew that I could get that on Film Pro uh, with using the native app was not working. So, uh, yeah, you know, but anyhow, you were saying it's going to get better. I think it is going to get better. It, um, get, you know, and, and uh, it, you I, I think the, the the gap between, you know, standard cinema cameras and DSLRs, you know, they're over here and, you know, mobile devices are over here. I think the gap is getting closer and closer these days. Um, so uh, hopefully, um, you know, with this next iPhone and, you know, and the next iPhone and the next iPhone or, or Android phone or whatever, what have you, um, it will just that gap will get closer and closer. And so it'll just keep coming back to the content, you know, so well, I let me ask you one one question about about the content. What have you seen? You know, maybe over the last couple of years. You know, since the the, the latest couple of iPhones. Um, uh, what have you seen? Have there been any, any big changes? You know, in in the content. Uh, well, to, you know, take the step back. One of my favorite films that we've done is a is a film called Blue Moon, and I I don't think it's in distribution yet, but I saw it uh, online. And, and and one of the things that online distribution is becoming ever more important. I mean, people watching stuff at home. And uh, so this was shot on an iPhone 5, but the story is so compelling. It's just shot in a gas station, uh, uh, kind of a shop, food shop. Uh, uh, in uh, in New uh, Zealand. In New Zealand, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we didn't interview him on, on this, but he was a part of the Mobile Creator Summit, which was, uh, which, which kind of uh, sparked this whole. Uh, so have you seen the film? Did, did you see his uh, film? I haven't seen the whole film? No, no. I've I've only you know, seen behind the scenes and and. Yeah. That. So we put up the trailer. We 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 use the trailer, but um, I've done a breakdown on the on the on the on the film because uh, I'm writing a, a a a little book about how to write the limited location screenplay, which ties in a little bit with 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 mobile movie making because often filmmakers are using just a few locations rather than you know many many locations and that's that is one of the best limited location films i've ever seen almost all of it happens in this uh, gas station store um and with a five you know so you can and, and but online it, it, to my way of looking is it's, it's pretty good um and uh, so I don't. So uh, and lately we haven't been going to movie theaters for various reasons, as you know. So I, I believe that that uh, um, while while the visuals will get better and the sound will get better, um, already thanks to LumaFusion and and Film of Pro, w w the, the imagery is is really great. And and sometimes if I'm seeing a, a really rank amateur film that we're going to put up for some reason, you know, maybe the lighting is bad. And the sound could be bad, you know, and then, then you notice it. But on the on the people who are a little experienced already, technically, it seems to me that that it's it's just pure entertainment if the story is good. And uh, you, you know, again, I don't think theaters will go away. But um, when I was at UCLA, I had a class um, with a guy who owns the Golden State Warriors. The, and he ran Sony at the time, and and he asked everybody from Hollywood. They'd come in and he'd interview them, like a sound guy or a casting agent. And he would say to him, "In the future, is the movie's going to be in the theaters, uh, you know?" And they owned the IMAX, or is it going to be at home? And that was before the giant screens that we now have. And half the people said the the future of film was going to be in home. And the other half said, no, we'll always have theater. People like to be in a big crowd, you know. Um, but clearly, thanks to Netflix and Amazon, uh, 
more and more people are going to watch at home. And I think we've already reached a level of quality that I don't hear people saying, well, I love the film, but, you know, the color correction wasn't good. I mean, the color correction is perfect, really. Uh, uh, again, I think Filmic Pro are allowed to say it. You know, um, I mean, it's pretty, it is pretty amazing. And I guess if you look at the early days of mobile movie making, it wasn't necessarily so great. Um, on the other hand, we, we love the work of Philip Bromwell. Do you know him, the Irish, the RTE um, guy who does these two-minute uh, interviews? And I've watched him for years using very simple equipment, but the stories he gets people to tell and the way he tells it is so good. You you really don't even notice much the quality because he has such a good grammar of the close-ups, beautiful close-ups and stuff. So uh, I'm not into the technology so much as I'm being the writer, um, but I'm intrigued by it. And I think that, uh, you know, to the degree the movie theaters will stay around, we'll see more features. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably be quite wonderful. Uh, I don't know enough about why the red camera is better than the iPhone, you know, 12 or something. Uh, but I, I do believe we reached a level where we can totally entertain people. And then, then recently we saw a host, you know, which was done with Zoom. Right. The, you know, and for me, it was a wonderfully entertaining it evening. All the content, right? You know, content. Acting, wonderful acting. Um, I mentioned the Indian filmmaker who did this little love story with a woman searching for her lover, and he would think he's left her, but he did leave her. He went up to Big Rock Candy Mountain, you know, and she's telling telling that story, and they're talking with the voiceover, and she's gorgeous. And the filmmaker, a master, with the close-ups of her and the different locations he found on the run, they would drive around till they found something and then she would talk, you know. Um, that's what I remember. I'm sure that somebody who really knows the technology could say, well, maybe that was just a seven or something, you know, I, you know, to see how it could be better. But I was, uh, you know, moved to tears by it, swept away by the filmmaking, the acting, the, you know, the cinematography. Um, and of course, I mean, I like it when there's good lighting and good sound and all that, that stuff. But I think we're, there, though, the people who are so inventive, um, they'll keep coming up with stuff because that's what they do. Um, they're, they're so remarkable. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and Sean Baker, you know, they've made, you know, great films, you know, on, on older iPhones, you know. So we know, again, it's just going to get better from here, you know, in terms yeah. of the technology, you know. But the thing that is always going to be constant is you need a good story. You know, you need good sound, yes, but you need a good story. And uh, and uh, I believe that mobile gives you the ability to just can just tell your story, just tell your story. You know, it, it does, you know, I've, I've written a book about film grammar, and and uh, I'm a real believer in the the sort of the the art of using film close-ups you know, and, and high angle and low angle. I mean, I really believe a side lighting and all that. And I was uh, thinking uh, one of the films we did was called Ember, a horror film uh, shot in Los Angeles. And the opening of it is a, 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 you know, aerial photography done with a drone. And the guy didn't own a drone. So he got a friend who was good at drone photography to do the establishing shot in a forest with this uh, drone overhead. You, you know what that would have cost in the old days, you know, to, to get a, helicopter or plane whatever and th this was a no budget film and yeah. it was spectacular and the filmmaker himself was the actor and he happens to be really good and uh and so but it wasn't like you just had to be in a in a, in a 
simple room or you couldn't do something. I mean, this is a, you, you've seen that shot in great Hollywood movies. He did it yeah. uh, at no cost. I mean, he called in a favor, you know, like from a friend. Yeah. Um, uh, but he knew he knew the power of an aerial shot, you know. You know, so I feel like there's a lot to learn about movie making, as you know. Um, it isn't that it isn't that we just set up the camera like it was done a hundred years ago or something like that. But I think the the fact that we can do all of these things with almost no money right. um, is is really good, and then have some distribution possibilities by Netflix online and, so, and YouTube, so that people aren't don't have to just do the festival. Right. Group, yeah. you know, so it democratizes it, and and anybody, and and not only democratizing, but I think it can uncover talent because I can make a movie that might entertain me and my friends, and I'm glad I can do it. But somebody else using uh, mobile can be Spielberg or something, you know, can be a really great filmmaker. But previously, it might have been very very hard to break in, but yeah. now now that democratization means not only can we all make commercials or public service announcements or instructional videos, we can all do that or, or story films. But out of that, I think we will uncover talent in a way we had not done before. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Murray, I could talk to you about this stuff all day long, but uh, you know, unfortunately on this podcast, we have time limits, <laughs> but where can people see, uh, see, you know, talk to to you, see your work, um, uh, and check out your your publication, uh, and give all the information of where people can get a hold of you. Yeah, so the home base is mobilemoviemaking.com, and we're on Instagram at uh, mobilemoviemaking, and we're we're going to develop a YouTube uh, channel which will be similar to the magazine. We will take little clips instead of just frames, clips from some of these films, and show them, and maybe you know show what the tip is a little bit of an instructional uh, channel that will also honor the, the work that we're drawing upon and promote the filmmakers and promote the equipment and gear that they use. Um, that uh, it's, it's not actually money in our pocket, but we we're happy to support the, the companies that make all of this possible. Excellent. Well, Hey Murray, thank you so much for joining us here and uh, keep doing what you're doing and keep, uh, keep us informed. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Now, over the last eight years, I've delivered mobile journalism training. I've met thousands of trainees who've showed lots of promise as potential mojos. Of all of them, one man stands out. I've described him as probably the most prolific mojo in Europe because his mobile-created reports for both TV and radio now number in excess of 500. Not only is he a gifted visual storyteller, but he's also a fantastic trainer, and I've had the privilege of working with him on a number of occasions. Bice Lecha, how are you? I probably pronounced your name wrong, man. I know I've probably been doing that nonstop for the last eight years. I apologize in advance. No problem. I mean, my name has been butchered by many English language people before, so don't worry. I remember uh, visiting the BBC last year, and I got signed in as Richard, and Richard is fine by me. Yeah, I get called Greg a lot, so I can kind of feel your pain just a little bit, you know. But anyway, I'm intrigued uh, in all the times that we've had opportunities to meet and to chat and so on and so forth. I'm not too sure I ever got to ask you, why the hell did you choose to be a journalist? <laughs> well, that's actually a very good question. And I wonder that myself sometimes. Um, 
I I was from a very young age very interested in uh, the news. I I think I started reading the newspaper from the age of six or seven. I just I wanted to be up to date, and I loved the way uh, the people who made the newspaper wrote. Uh, and I started making my own little newspapers. Um, so um, getting into news was something that came early to me. And I made my own radio shows from home on cassette recorders. Uh, so uh, radio came early. And uh, well, it, it, it just happened. <laughs> it, it, they say it's history, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember when we first met, Vita. It was uh, um, Roos Dagen. I'm pretty sure that was yeah. the very first time we crossed. And it was very, very early as well. I mean, I can't. was it 2011? Was it 2012? It was pretty bloody uh, early. It might even be a little bit later, 2014, I think. Was it? Okay, I, I thought it was early. There you sure. go. I, I have to correct it, though, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure what year. It was the year that... Uh, weird that I remember years like this now, the year that the Nokia Lumia 1020 came out, <laughs> which was a very good camera phone. And I think I got that phone then and and I, because I then saw that I could use it for doing uh, TV reporting, something I didn't really choose to do, but my boss wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And then I saw your course popping up in the Roosdagen and decided, well, let's give it a try. And then I brought that phone. I mean, I have a Nokia Lumia 1020 as well. And at one stage, I was very excited about the prospects of it. But, you know, yourself, um, I think you're even involved in the project. Like, there was to be an editing app for yeah. it that wow. never really did materialize. It. I mean, a few betas came out, but I don't yeah. think it ever actually goes. So it, that, was, that was the beginning of the end, in spite of the amazing camera. But, yeah. So, but, I mean, that clearly then... So we met on that course, but clearly you've been experimenting with mobile well in advance of that. So what kind of got you into Mojo or what attracted you to it in the first place? Well, to be very honest, the the, the main attraction for me was um, downsizing the kit I have to bring with me. Um, I was a radio reporter for uh, a long time before I started into getting into uh, Mojo. Um, and the reason why I started uh, looking into Mojo was the fact that I needed to go out with cameras, which meant I needed to bring my radio recording device. I needed to bring my uh, laptop. I needed to bring something to go live with. I needed to bring a camera. I needed to bring a tripod. There were so many things I needed to bring, so many technical things to go and uh, shoot a story that to me, it uh, got in the way. Um, I couldn't tell the story I wanted to tell anymore because it was too busy just carrying all that stuff around. Um, so um, I decided to look for alternatives. And, and uh, that's when I, I found out about these amazing camera phones that were out on the market, um, not knowing anything about the technical difficulties they also bring when wanting to put that on TV. Uh, but that's that's how I, I got started and, and amazed people by uh, just putting it on TV without telling them that it was shot with a phone. Yeah, it's kind of part of the philosophy that we adopted in RT at the time. Like, why should they actually care what it's shot on? They don't ask if it's a PMW 500 or 750 it was shot on. So, no. hey, you know, 
as long as it's professional, that's the key thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, tell me, like, I'm not understating it, am I? When I say like 500 reports, like you use the phone every day as your de facto device. It's not like, I mean, so many of the other people I spoke to in the mobile journalism community use it as one of their devices. You know, they still have maybe uh, EX3 or, you know, whatever is BMW camera based. They sit in a bag as well. But you, you chose to go 100% smartphone solo, right? Yep. Yeah, I did. Uh, I think it was the week after the, the Rojdaan when I had your course that I handed in my camera, I handed in my uh, radio recording device and said, I'm going full mojo. And I have been doing that since then. So that's at least six years. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be completely honest, quite recently, like in the last half year or year, I also bring a uh, system camera or DSLR. Because uh, ah. I'd like to experiment. And as these cameras are small as well, they still go into my small Mojo Fest bag I still carry around. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I choose to shoot with the other camera. But I really can't tell you what uh, is the main reason for switching from the one to the other. It's just the way I feel. Um, if I feel like shooting on the phone, I'll shoot on the phone. If I feel like shooting DSLR, I'll shoot DSLR. But I think still 90% of what I shoot is on the phone. Uh, that, that's really, really impressive. And um, do you mind me asking, because I'm sure people will look at it and wonder, um, we have on the podcast over the last, whatever, four, four, this is show 15, over the last 15 weeks, we've talked to Nick Arnott um, and Mark Egan and a few others as well. Um, your, what are your go-to apps and accessories for the day job? Like what do you use every day? Well, actually, it's quite limited in the number of apps I use on a daily basis. It is basically Filmic Pro for shooting. Uh, it is LumaFusion for editing, uh, and it is Ferrite for radio, and sometimes Adobe Rush for online stories. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I use some other apps like the LiveView app for going live on TV, um, and uh, the Reported app for going live on radio. But these are the main apps I use. There's there's maybe 10, 20 others that I sometimes use, but these are the main apps. Okay, and what about hardware? Because I, I know I was, um, obviously I follow you on Twitter and have done for a very long time. Um, I know that you've been experimenting recently with the Sennheiser MKE 200. Yep. So what are your initial thoughts? Will, will you now count that as part of your regular kit or have you other preferences? No, I, it's absolutely part of my regular kit now. My regular kit has uh, changed during the Corona uh, virus time because I now needed to keep distance from the, 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 the people I'm interviewing. So that meant I went on the look, lookout for a wireless solution, which was the uh, uh, Rode Wireless Go. Mm. Uh, I remember the name correctly, uh, which is my go-to interview micro microphone and my atmospheric microphone quite recently became the Sennheiser MKE200. What's in the name? Um, it's a microphone that came out, well, literally two or three weeks ago. Um, and it's a very, very nifty small microphone uh, which works on all phones um, if you have the correct adapter or if you're lucky enough to have a headphone jack, but you know where that went. Um, but it's it's a very good atmospheric microphone and it's 
for uh, quick interviews in the street. Um, it's so uh, directional that it works uh, for quick interviews in the street. So I'm quite happy with it. So, so these are the two microphones that I now uh, have on my phone regularly. It's the MK200 and it's the Wireless Go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking sideways, just curious now, actually, because I got asked this question on a course only a couple of days ago in relation to the two-meter rule for interviews and so on and so forth. You don't right. necessarily want to be putting a microphone onto someone the way we mm -hmm. traditionally would have the Wireless Go. Have, have you by any chance tested putting the MK200 into the Wireless Go transmitter? Because it's no. a two-pole. It should yeah. work, shouldn't it? It should work. Uh, actually, and it's yeah. a very good suggestion to try that. But what I, I found very useful in the whole uh, coronavirus uh, shooting experience is to just have the small box that, that, that is actually the microphone of the wireless go. Um, I just wipe it off with a, a cleaning uh, cloth, put it on the table and let the person that I'm interviewing uh, take it off the table and put it on themselves. It's very easy, just a clip. So, um, I don't touch the microphone, only with the gloves I'm wearing, and they can put it on themselves, so there's no way I can infect them. And when they put it back, they put it on the table again, I wipe it clean, and we're good. Okay, very good. That, uh, that's good advice, actually. Very good. Um, speaking of uh, observing your uh, stuff on Twitter recently, so aside from the MK200, you've also been testing the auto reframe option in Adobe Premiere yeah. Rush. What were your thoughts on it? Um, well, actually, it works best if you have interview shots and if you have moving shots. So, for example, if someone walks through your screen or you're following someone around, then it will keep that person in the screen. It will uh, struggle as soon as you have your uh, camera on a, a tripod and there are no people shot. I mean, it's really fixated on people. So if it finds a person, it will immediately go to that person because it thinks that is the main thing in this picture. Uh, oh, and one other thing that it, that it always gets right is big towers. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the machine learning algorithm behind it clearly has been fed all the wrong material. But, you know, as with most <laughs> machine learning things, it will get better in time. The yeah. more it does, the more it's corrected, and, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I use it on uh, one of my reports uh, last week or two weeks ago, and I think it got about 60% of the shots right, so I only had to reframe 40%, so mm -hmm. my workflow got a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, so if I remember rightly, when I read the spec sheet on it, uh, the manual keyframing is not available in Rush, but it is available in Premiere, so I guess the machine learning algorithm is going to be watching what people fix in Premiere to learn how it works even better over time. Probably. Yeah. Interesting. And um, come here to me. But it's, it's now still better in, in Premiere because I also used it in Premiere and that's, it's better. <laughs> Rush will probably be okay in a year or so. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's a fair indicator. Um, come here, if someone was starting out to, in the journey as a mobile journalist and following in your footsteps, if you will, what, um, what, What's the probably the most valuable thing that you've learned over the last six, seven years that you've been doing this? Well, the main thing that you have to do uh, is be able to fix your own problems. If you have technical issues, you 
um, might be used to run to your technical guy at your station and ask them to solve it. But as, as someone who works on mobile, you are probably the best person to solve it because you're out and about and you want to shoot. Um, so what I've learned over the last couple of years is to always have a backup plan. Uh, this goes for a backup microphone. It goes for a backup app. Um, if your go-to app is not working, um, always have a plan B. That's that's very important in mobile journalism because, um, you know, the, the devices we use to shoot our stories are not built as storytelling devices. Um, so um, we have to make them into that. Aside from being a multi-talented uh, reporter and a trainer, you're also a published author and a podcaster. And it would be remiss of me not to mention your partner in crime, um, Bjorn Stashen, as well. So tell us a bit about the book you republished recently or did you update it in another language or what did I see? I saw something. Well, actually, we are in the process of updating it for version number three. Uh, the first one came out in 2018, but um, as you know, uh, the, the the tech and the apps and everything we talk about in the book tends to be updated quite quickly, which meant that the moment we published the book, it probably was already outdated. Um, so we try to keep it going and, and uh, keep uh, keep updating it. And that's one of the reasons why we also started a, a podcast uh, on the same subject, because we wanted to also have a real up-to-date uh, story going on there. Um, and actually, we in, in, in the first couple of episodes, we really focused on how to report uh, during the corona uh, virus, because that's, that's challenging, even for uh, mobile journalists who tend to be a little bit more flexible than normal broadcast journalists, maybe. Uh, but even for us, it's struggling. So it's it's good to learn from all the other people in the community uh, who have already dealt with some of the problems we run into. Very good. Yeah, great. Well, look, I mean, as we've mentioned, the podcast, where, where can people connect with you and where can people listen to the podcast? Uh, the podcast is called the Mobile Storytelling Podcast and can be found, well, wherever you listen to this podcast, I guess. It's uh, uh, on Spotify, it's uh, on Anchor, it's in Apple Podcasts, it's in Google Podcasts. You name it, you can find it if you want to. And I believe one of the episodes contained you. Yes, I do think we had an interview and I, I think I got one of the comments that I made in that interview thrown back at me by a client, which, you know, that's the problem with me. When you let me loose, I can be quite outspoken. But, you know, that's, I just I'm being honest. I'm sorry if that upsets people. What can I and I'd rather have you be honest, right? And, exactly. Uh, and I, I'd prefer to beat that. too. <laughs> um, so that's the podcast. What about you? Uh, most prolific on Twitter or are you on Instagram and all the rest of it as well? Yeah, I, I am on Instagram, I am on Facebook, and you name it, but I'm rethinking my uh, social media presence uh, currently. I think I'm going to quit Facebook because that really, <clears throat> well, we don't swear on this podcast, I guess, but... No, you can, I'll just, <laughs> just beep it out, it's fine. I swear quite a lot, actually, on it, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, really, I really don't like what Facebook does in to the news business, so... Um, I, I think I'll, I'll quit that, but I'll be on Instagram. I, I am on Twitter and I try to uh, keep people in the loop in what I'm doing and, and what's happening in the mobile storytelling world. Um, so, yeah, they can find me there. Very good. You're, you're, for the listeners as opposed to the viewers, your Twitter handle is? 
at Vice Fellinga. I'll Which put it up on screen. It's, a, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to chat to you, man. I really appreciate you giving up the time. In spite of all the fun and frolics we had trying to find which platform would work best for us this evening, we finally got it in the can, which is great. Um, I really appreciate you participating in the show tonight. And thanks so much for all your inspiration on Twitter and uh, for all the knowledge that you share. You're an absolute gent. Well, thank you for having me. So, Courtney, 15 episodes under our belt, and it's been a hell of a journey. What have we learned along the way? Um, we learned that making a podcast is a lot of work, but a lot of good work, you know, a lot of good and necessary work. Uh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to do this with you. Uh, and, uh, and I'm so thankful to be able to, to be a part of it. Thank you for asking me for being a part of it. Oh, uh, I, I'm not kidding when I say this. I know these are easy words to say, but uh, genuinely, I couldn't have done it without you. Um, Kicking the tires and the idea for quite some time, even pre-Summit, to be perfectly honest, I talked about the idea uh, to a couple of people, but um, just couldn't motivate myself to do it. And I'll give you 100% credit for that, not just on the movie-making side of things, but just uh, your... your, um, how will I put it tactfully, but to also give you full credit? Like, you, you are a true Taurus. You are stubborn as mule, uh, but motivated and driven in a way that even I can only aspire to. Uh, so in many ways, you are, you've been the driving force and the kind of thing that kept the momentum going. I probably could have thrown the towel in several times along the way, to be honest. Uh, well, this evening being one, actually, can I regale you with the tiny story? So poor Vitsi Flinke um, sat online for nearly an hour this evening trying to find a platform that we could do the interview on. And it's just its just one of those things. This is part of the learning process. We've been through Zencaster. We looked at um, Squadcast. We've used Skype. We've used Switcher Studio. We've used Zoom. Mother of God, I've lost track of the amount of different platforms that we've experimented with over the last 15 weeks. Um, and, you know, if anyone has been watching the videos on YouTube, then you'll notice the quality varies let's just say, depending on the platform that we've used. Um, but I've learned one thing. There is a need for someone to do a proper goddamn podcasting platform that has decent, good quality video and awesome quality audio and does understand some sort of automated sync thing. If they could just, you know, like, how hard can it be, really? Just give me, a, give me an app that I can send a link to someone, even tweet a link to someone via DM, click it, and they're live and we can chat and we can record it in the cloud and then you just send me the file afterwards. I, it would be just such a gift. Maybe it exists. <laughs> if it does, please let me know. You know, as we as we take away our learning from season one and look at the possibilities of season two, or maybe, who knows, maybe even some special editions between now and then, whenever then maybe, um, it would be really nice to be able to streamline the production workflow. Because I, I know both of us have done a lot of work on the audio side and like all this kit all this was made yeah. possible by the fact that sponsors gave us money, basically. Right. right. Yeah. So, and that yeah. is an actually, that's actually a good segue, uh, you know, to thank our sponsors, you know. So, you know, thank you to uh, to Filmic Pro and to LumaFusion. Uh, and they have been, uh, well, LumaTouch, who, who creates LumaFusion. But, you know, thank you to you guys because you have been so supportive to us. But, even more important, you've been so supportive to the filmmaking community and to the mobile filmmaking community. And that is a really, really big deal. Um, we could not have done this show without you. Um, and who we also couldn't have done the show without is you, 
the viewer slash listener. Um, it, it's really important because we have been trying to build this community around the importance of growing the mobile filmmaking, uh, the, the mobile filmmaking community. And you guys have helped us, uh, and have given us such great questions have been so supportive, you know, with, with watching and the comments and, and all of these things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the viewers. And again, to our sponsors, Filmic Pro and to Luma touch who created, who created Luma fusion. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo that. But I'm also going to say thank you to the people who gave up their time to be part of the podcast as guests as well. Because to be fair, like the two of us, like the two old lads up in the balcony in the Muppet Show would have made for pretty goddamn boring, boring content for 15 weeks. Um, I think the, the beating heart of the podcast over the, the time that we've been doing it has been the guests that we've had. We've been so lucky with so many people who agreed to give up their time and share their, both their backstory and their knowledge with us along the way. Uh, but I have to also acknowledge what you said. I think... Um, the thing that I suppose most people don't realize, and I've actually said this to both companies in some ways, is that because they're such professional brands, there is a perception, I think, among people. I see this when I train people and I talk about them. Um, there's a perception that they're quite big companies. You know, So in one sentence, you may say something along the lines of LumaTouch and Adobe. You say that in one sentence because both of them make apps that allow you to edit on your smartphone. Um, but it, they're really not the same thing. So to give you context, you know, I think... Terry might have even mentioned in the interview, LumaTouch is a company that has about 15 employees. Filmic Pro is very, very similar in size. Um, they, they, you know, they're lean operations. And for them to be able to give of their income to support stuff like this and also to support people with their knowledge base in, in relation to production, it's a huge goddamn thing. It's a huge thing. And I mean, you know, for that, and I'm going to name check Neil and Claire, and Kevin, we could list them all, like, and Chris, and, and Terry, and I mean, everyone that basically is involved. Josh, in and Derek, them. and, and uh, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're both, both companies are basically blessed to have a phenomenal crew of people who are really, really passionate about what they do on board. And that, um, that and, is one thing, I'm, I'm just going to punch in one thing. Um, the reason why uh, why I like these companies is not because not just because of the, the the great apps that they've that they've created. That's one thing. But the people that we've been working with and and who run these companies and who you know uh, who are the shoulders um, of which these you know companies were built on are actually genuinely some of the nicest people you will ever meet. And uh, they again, it, it's you know, the, it, it all rolls downhill. You know, the heads of the companies are really, are really beautiful people and everybody else, uh, that, that works with them are beautiful people. So that's, um, we've been really lucky in terms of, uh, in, in terms of working, but, and that's not just us, you know, blowing smoke up their backsides. It's actually true. We actually genuinely like them. hundred percent. 100%. And um, we hope in some ways that, that over the course of the 15 weeks, we've given a little back in the sense of showcasing stories, but not exclusively, but showcasing stories of people who have been empowered by their apps, you know, people who are at the front line of doing really, really amazing creative things and who do it because of the existence of Filmy Pro and LumaTouch. Um, Absolutely. It was never again to solely focus on that, and that's why we've also talked about plenty of other apps and hardware companies and everything else along the way as well. Uh, but yeah, as we circle back and look back at 15 weeks, um, huge hat tip to the teams in Filmic and LumaTouch, 100%. Absolutely. So, 
People are going to be watching or listening now and maybe they feel a little bit of the butterflies in the tummy the way I feel it right now, kind of going, you know, what next? Where do we go from here? So um, I have some thoughts, but I'm really intrigued to hear what you're thinking. Well, um, in terms of the Mobile Creator podcast, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, like you kind of alluded to, you know, doing some some interesting new things, you know, within the platforms that we, that we have. So, um, I, I would like to do some live, uh, events maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know you want to get on the road as soon as, you know, the COVID of it all goes away and, and we can actually get out in the world. Um, and, and I'd love for you to talk about your ideas in terms of that, but, um, uh, you know, th- this platform really is about, uh, about creativity and using what we have in terms of mobile. Um, so I really want to, you know, dive deeper into that and, uh, and, and, you know, see where we can, where we can take it. I, I, I want to do more. Um, and I, I want to kind of, you know, maybe we can change the, uh, you know, change our, our shows flow a little bit, um, in season two. So we'll, we'll see. How about, yeah, you? I think, I think, yeah, I think, you know, 15 weeks in, it's been, it's been, how to describe it? It's been a roller coaster in many ways. Like I say, there's been a lot of learning on the way, quite a few challenges along the way as well. I think we've definitely gradually evolved into the, uh, upping our game in relation to SEO and discoverability on social and all that sort of stuff and use more automation. And like, you know, it definitely has, I feel we've definitely come a long way from the very beginning in the pilot. Absolutely. Um, but I definitely also think that there are other opportunities. I, the last thing I wanted to do is to kind of feel like it's become a bit stale. Um, and the irony is, is this show, certainly the last couple of shows that you've had have, have performed incredibly well. So we're going out in a high and I think that's a really, really positive thing. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely room to do a little bit of reflection now and to look at the way that we do things to see is there more chances to kind of streamline it and make it a little bit easier. I do really like the idea of the live. I mean, to throw back, I've mentioned it a few times along the way, obviously, but to throw back to the summit. Like there was a huge undertaking, again, from all the teams in Filmic and Luma to make that happen. Um, and it did draw on resources in a big way. But also there was the immediacy. There was the, the fact that it was live. People could interact and chat. Uh, As the host, I wasn't watching all that, to be honest, because there was too much of it. But there was loads of people managing that. Feed. But there definitely is something special about the, the live experience. And I think if, if we could put a bit of energy into that, I think it could be a very interesting way to look at what we might do next. Equally, though, agree. You know, the iPhone launch, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now. Uh, the iPhone launch is only a few weeks away. We may very well need to come out of hibernation and do a special edition just on the back of the iPhone launch if there's anything exciting in there to worry, you know, to justify doing that. So keep those dates loose, Courtney, just in case. Absolutely. You know. Wouldn't do it any other way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> But you're plan on into production right now, aren't you? I mean, you know, um, your series now is kicking off very, very soon. So you're really in the pre-planning phases and you are busy, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the, the scripting is, is, is pretty much done. You know, the casting is pretty much done. Um, and it is, it's going to be go time here very soon. So, um, and then, you know, that coupled with the launch of, uh, of, uh, made on mobile, uh, made on mobile TV. Um, that is, that's a big part of it as well. So that's going to keep, 
you know, just because we're not doing it necessarily on uh, on the Mobile Creator Podcast doesn't mean that we're not doing stuff uh, for you guys, for the for the viewers. Um, you know, we are each individually doing things, um, but we, you know, are definitely coming back together and uh, and and bringing you more stuff. But you know, we we've got we've got other things brewing. So, you know, uh, Glenn, you know, he, he's, you know, still teaching, but he is getting out there and he's going to be doing his short film. Uh, what, uh, what about your short film, Glenn? Yeah, this week, um, haven't really done much in it at all, Courtney, to be perfectly honest, because I have, uh, I've had nearly two months of, um, very little work actually, where training completely dried up in basically July and August and um, September, the early part of the month was very quiet, but it's slowly starting to pick up. I did my first, in-person training course since February yesterday uh, and it was a really weird experience to go back into an environment but being socially distanced and everything else that comes with it you know it's all a bit bizarre so I think the adjusting to COVID is something that's ongoing I also think I'll be perfectly honest you heard it here first actually on the podcast um, like I've been independent uh, training for three years since I left my job in RT as head of innovation there and for the first time in three years I've started to think about the idea of trying to go back to a day job and the motivation, to be perfectly honest, is the security. Uh, you know, I've got three kids and a wife and a mortgage and everything else, like many of our listeners, I'm sure. Um, I think the COVID thing has scared the life out of me, to be perfectly honest. So, I mean, I definitely think I have to sort of review my options and see what I'm going to do next. But all that said, even if I do end up going back into full-time employment, um, I still am passionate I'm as passionate now as I was in 2015 about trying to bring the community together around mobile content. So 2015, it was very journalism specific. I definitely have, I think, perhaps wandered a little bit out the, outside that wall garden into the filmmaking and also podcasting side of things as well. So there's, I, w I would love to see, I don't think there will be one in 2021, but there haven't even been any discussions about it yet. But if there isn't a Mojo Fest in 2021, there will be a Mojo event of some sort in 2022. Touch wood. Uh, it may not be Mojo Fest, but there will be something uh, to bring the community together again. Because de definitely, I think, I, I miss it. I, I think the thing I've enjoyed most over the last 15 weeks, Courtney, aside from getting to chat to you and shoot the breeze every week, is um, catching up with people who I'm used to seeing and was always used to seeing when in-person training happened and the events were happening and we used to meet up regularly at different conferences and things. I really miss that. As someone who's quite introverted, um, that was my network. And I definitely, I, I've really appreciated the podcast as a reason to reach out to people and kind of catch up with them. So, but yeah, uh, that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, you know, I, I have you to, you know, either, you know, think or blame uh, th th <laughs> have you to thank or blame for for doing this whole thing you know I mean, you you've actually given me you know a a big boost in my e you know in, in my you know ego i guess you know but but more so confidence you know because um you know that this is not my world, you know, in, in terms of, you know, being in front of the camera, I'm a behind the camera guy, you know? So, um, so I have you to thank, uh, and slash blame <laughs> for, uh, for getting me in front of this camera, giving me the confidence to, uh, to, to, to do something, to launch something new, to be on with you and, uh, and to talk to people that I've never talked to before, you know, um, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from, you know, all these filmmakers and, and, you know, mojos out there. Um, and from you, I've learned a lot, you know, like a, a ton from, 
realm in terms of doing this sort of thing. So, um, so, you know, thank you. Um, and damn you, <laughs> because I'm going to, I am going to, I'm going to keep going now, you know, th- now this is a thing. Now this is a thing for me. So yes. So that really, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and definitely want to come back with something, uh, you know, let's, let's give it, Let's take a four week or six week kind of break just to, to chew through ideas, bounce some ideas around, talk to some sponsors and see what other people would like to see us do. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely coming back. So if you're listening oh, and if you've back. been watching the journey and um, reach out to us, you know, I say this every week, I can still count on the fingers that I have the amount of people who've actually taken me up on this offer. So please do reach out to us for a chat to discuss what you'd like us to do next. And we'd welcome that input or ideas. Um, Absolutely. I mean, this is a community. We're building a community. So let's have conversation. This is is all part of the conversation is not stopping just because this is end of season one. So. Exactly. Yeah. We'll we'll keep, I think we'll both, um, we both have access to all the social media accounts for the podcast. So we'll both dip in and out and continue to share stuff as it, as it happens. Yeah. But yeah, definitely feels like, uh, Small anti-climax, but you know that's 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 to be expected, I suppose. Well, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm just really proud that we, you know, that we've done 15 episodes. 15 episodes. Yeah. That is no small feat, you know, for for you know for anything, you know. <laughs> so, um, so you know, big, you know, you, you should pat yourself on the back because you know you you've been you know uh, well, leading this, this this horse and, and and buggy down the down the path the whole time so um so yeah i'm i'm excited i will be even more excited you know to to show what you know what i'm working on um i'm going to really be excited to see what you're working on you know and and you know keep sharing our progress with with things but uh yeah you know you know, yay for a break, but you know, even bigger yay for you know season two when it, when we get when we get back. Here, here. Um. So thank you, thank you for listening, for watching, for for joining us on the journey. And remember all of the previous episodes that we've done and all the amazing people that we've been blessed to have the chance to interview. They're all staying on the website and our YouTube channel, and um, so you can play back at any stage. And uh, we'll keep you posted. Keep an eye on your, if you subscribe to the um, website, you'll get a notification when we're coming back. Uh, and keep an eye on us on um, Instagram and Twitter as well. We'll probably still be posting a few gems and nuggets to let you know when we're, when we're coming back and what we're planning. Uh, but for now, take care. Mind yourself. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Peace.